2: Yeah, hello, and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL Show, episode twenty-seven. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight we've got a full house. We have got Tasha, and we've got Alicia. And guys, I'm you know we, we get a little bit sentimental uh, during the off season as we mourn the loss of rugby league. Uh, and uh, but the question I've got for you is thinking about that, who is the best father son, uh, father son rugby league duo? Uh, Tasha, I'm going to throw this one to you.
1: Yeah, look, there, there are a few that came to mind um, and they're great stories, but uh, I just can't go past, you know, Slippery Steve Morris and his, his two beautiful twins in uh, Josh and Brett. I mean, like the numbers speak for themselves. Um, slippery almost made it to 250 uh, first-grade games. Josh and Brett certainly smashed that. Um, but just the three of them, they're prolific try scorers um, together they've actually notched up for over 400. I think it's 417 um, first grade tries and all three of them played for Australia. So what a family.
2: Yeah. And uh, you think about how they sort of, you know, obviously how they sort of were finishing in terms of their form, you know, the, the twins were nearly playing their best football, you know, in, their, in the last sort of couple of seasons there. So uh, definitely, definitely incredible. Look, for me, I'm a massive Newcastle Knights supporter, long-suffering, as I always say. So for me, uh, it's great to see Matty Johns' boys, uh, you know, get a few reps in uh, in the game at the moment. Jack Johns obviously just re-signed for the Knights, which is great. And Cooper has signed a one-year deal for the Melbourne Storm. I highlight one year because uh, it appears that we're going to be looking for a half-back soon. And, you know, we've just got Andrew Johns back to the club. So I, I think the stars are aligning there. So hopefully the Knights have got their eyes on... Uh, how Cooper goes this year. It'd be great to see him brought back to Newcastle, but uh, Alicia, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, again, there, there's quite a few options. We've been blessed with a lot of amazing uh, combinations, but um, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, we have, like just having a think, um, you know, you've got the Cleary's, uh Flanagan's around um, at the moment, Billy Walters and Kevin, like they're, they're sort of, I feel like it's popping up more than now than ever, but there's been plenty of great father-son duos. Um, speaking of Newcastle, I've gone with uh, Mitchell Pearce and Wayne Pearce. Um, I just find it so fascinating how it's almost like polar opposites. You know, we we don't really hear much of Wayne talking about Mitchell in the press. And it's like a milestone game, I remember calling him up for Mitchell's 300th and talking about. Obviously, we know the journey Mitchell's been on, and it's been such a roller coaster compared to, I guess, Wayne's career and. You know Wayne's part of the commission and coming up with all these innovative ideas, and, and Mitchell's you know up in Newcastle, we know what the sort of character he is. So I just find that super fascinating. But then, you know, looking at both their careers as a combination, it's a great um, you know, they've, they've both left, I guess, a great mark on the game. Um, in terms of
1: yeah, Leash, great choice. Um, I almost went there, but what I love about Mitch Pierce is you talk about his roller coaster, you know, he's had. You know, tough times on the field. Even when he when he couldn't steer New South Wales to that win, of course he blamed the halfback. Um, and uh, you know, everyone knows about a few of his exploits um, off the field. But what I love about him is his resilience. He just bounces back. And you know, I think he's just a fabulous player. And I know he's heading heading over to uh, Super League. But uh, yeah, the game will, the game will miss him.
2: Yeah, definitely. France,
1: France will. Uh...
0: France will welcome him and probably be a bit shocked <laughs> yeah. over there in France. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I just hope the Knights can replace him with a decent player.
2: Yeah, that's right. So we'll bring Cooper Johns down uh, from Melbourne, and uh, yeah, no, Alicia, yeah, we have got a good strap in there uh, for for those uh, our French listeners of Mojo Sports. You are uh, you're getting an amazing player on and off the field. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, uh, the Huddle.
1: Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of.
0: We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of each player's football
2: lives. Champion players, champion club. I want to be king in your story. I want to know. Yeah, and this week on the Huddle, uh, a special team to me, the St. George. Illawarra Dragons and Alicia I say that because I've been doing a little bit of work with a uh, bit of a bit of a club legend there in Jamie Soward so I uh, certainly uh, hear a lot about the Dragons and uh, I feel like they're, they're sort of my forced second team but yeah it, it was an interesting 2021 campaign you know it, you know sometimes obviously things don't wait make you know go your way and you don't make finals football you know things are all doom and gloom but you know for the Dragons it was a little bit different because you know there was this emergence of I guess the next generation of, of of junior stars and yeah, it just gives them a little bit of hope going into next year.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if we've got to be careful with what we say then if, if Sow is listening, I know he is, but no, look, it was a bit of a weird one because I don't think many would have predicted the Dragons to, I guess, make the finals, but their start to the year was really, really good, which is something we know that that club um, is quite good at is starting fast. But then and I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, pretty much as soon as they got up to Queensland, they didn't win another game and that was the end of it. But, um, you know, in and amongst the rough stuff, they definitely blooded these young kids coming through. And I thought, you know, a couple of that had a, a, a lot of, like a couple had really good games in between um, the losses. And, um, you know, I, I guess the big, one of the big moments for them this year was the return of Jack de Bellen as well, which, um you know for for 2 3 years that that's been hanging over the club's head so i guess having him back now and um you know the way that hook you can just kind of see hook's fingerprints starting to develop with this with this club and and what he's doing with the juniors so yeah it's a rough year but in the end i think they're exactly where i thought they'd, they they would have finished to be honest
1: yeah Leach, good call anthony griffin uh Hook, you can see his fingerprints all over this, the way he's blooded some of those younger players, and we'll probably talk about them and where they're going to slot in, um, in you know, in a couple of minutes. But you mentioned that, that yeah, they got out to a cracking start. Um, you know, they won four out of the first five games and, you know, we they didn't win a game in their last eight, and that might be because of, you know, barbecue barbecue gate or whatever you like to call it. But, you um, it was actually, it was up until round 17, they were still in the top eight. So, you know, pretty amazing stuff. they rank outsiders for next year, um, but pretty amazing with the start that they had.
2: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what's interesting about the Dragons as well is from a club building perspective, I just find that they are just a fascinating case study because here you have a a club in the NRL competition, and you know if you're going to compete, you've got to win. You've got to win premierships. That's what we're here to do. But at the same time, when you have these star juniors coming through, you've got, you've kind of got to you've got to mould this roster. And, and 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 you know you hear a lot of clubs, um, uh, cop a lot of criticisms. Your Brisbane's for letting players go and blocking pathways and things like that, Alicia. You know, one of the things you can say about the Dragons is you can see the strategy here. You can see that, you know, a few players have been moved on, which, you know, are, you know, some of them weren't popular, um, you know, decisions. You know, Matt Dufty comes to mind and, and a few others. But, um, yeah, just, you know, the, the, this young talent, you know, this could set the club up for the next decade.
0: Yeah, Ken, um, I think the biggest confusion is, you know, some of the decisions have been a bit, you know, raise your eyebrow in terms of, yes, the Matt Dufty, call um however you view it but then you've got you know like the mid-season recruit of of Josh McGuire um we obviously know what sort of baggage he comes with with all these suspensions and stuff so um Andrew McCulloch was another one so it's kind of like yes they're shifting towards the juniors but then they're also purchasing like very experienced players who are they past the use by day I don't know but um I guess that's where I'm a bit Get a bit conflicted. It's to like, yeah, are they focusing on their juniors, or are they doing the opposite? You know, bringing George Burgess back, the NRL, who, you know, he might he has a bit of a fitness um, issue with his neck. You know, coming back from almost career-ending surgery. So, um, yeah, it's they're pretty intriguing, as we touched on earlier in the show. Um, very intriguing side, but I think the juniors coming through have had a little bit of a taste now. You know, Cody Ramsey, uh, Junior Monet. Um, you know, the the Guy Figa, Figa twins, like there's just a whole bunch that have had a bit of a taste, but now it's about them
1: kicking on. Yeah, I think that's what they've got there, you know, um, just on that um, with the experienced players. I think Ben Hunt had one of his best seasons and it's great that he's found that um, good form at halfback, it, you know, it, He wasn't in at the number nine. He was actually a good organisational halfback. And you've got the experience of McCulloch at number nine. And, you know, Hook actually blooded some of these youngins coming through. And you mentioned Junior Amone, and, and I think he's going to be great, um, maybe not starting with him because Embire can play sort of anywhere in the spine, but maybe if he partnered uh, Ben Hunt, if um, Junior plays in the number six, I can see that as a good combination. You talk about, um, you know, well, that they, they, they've lost Corey Norman and there was, you know, confusion around the dufty, but, you know, there's another little junior coming up through there, uh, Dan. That, that may well slot in well into the into the number one position.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what they're doing well is they're bringing in cheap, experienced players. There's no more players on big contracts besides Ben. And um, for a lot of years, he may or may not have played, uh, you know, played up to that level. But he's certainly doing that now. So for me, I think it's a matter of yeah, bringing in experienced guys that hook and trust it will just get a job done um, as they continue to yeah mentor these younger players. Uh, on and off the field, and and yeah, we, we've spoken about them. Tyrell Sloan looks absolutely special. Junior Amon, he just uh, yeah, you you just watch uh, a couple of minutes of him, and you know that yeah, he he's going to be he's certainly going to be something. And and there's more, you know, Jaden Sullivan, uh, you know, good young half. Um, we've touched on in previous episodes, I think you know, part of the challenge with this next generation coming through ha- is that they have been hit very hard by COVID, you know, with the lack of reserve grade competitions, you know, we, we you'd love to see this, this group of players play week in, week out. Um, and if you're not making the NRL 17, and this is still a, you know, competitive roster to find a spot, yeah, it does make it, uh, does make it pretty challenging.
0: Just a quick note on um, Sloan as well. I, was covering it for NRL.com the other day, just filling in the official squad trackers, and he's still listed in the development, um, which was a little bit surprising to me, just given how well he finished this this year um, off. But obviously, so under the current rules, he's not going to be allowed into that, that top 30 squad until at least I think it's June 30. He'll be allowed to play in the second half of the year. So, whether he gets promoted or not, but if you know, at this stage, he won't be there in round one, just given.
2: Is in development. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly it's certainly going to be one to watch, and and I think a couple other storylines here with the Dragons is that you want your stars playing to their full, uh, of, you know, to, to their full ability. Tasha, another player that caught my eye this year was Jack Bird. Now, Jack Bird, again, you talk about fascinating players. When he hit the scene in Cronulla, um, you know, really interesting stories in, in terms of some of the medical challenges that he's had, but he was an out and out superstar. You know, we, we saw what happened when he went to Brisbane. And, you know, when, when he re-signed to come back to the Dragons, there was, there was no real buzz, you know what I mean? Every, everyone expected the, the Brisbane Broncos version of Jack, um, you know, to arrive after, you know, battling quite a few injuries. But I was pleasantly surprised Jack really hit the ground running. And I, I guess my question is, are we starting to see some of the old Jack coming back? And, you know, that, that, that puts the Dragons in a good position there.
1: Yeah, I think it's coming in um, well for a couple of players. We mentioned Ben Hunt finding his form there in the number seven for the Dragons, and Jack Bird um, certainly did find form. So it could be spelling some some uh, definitely some improvement in the, in the Dragons, but um, we'll talk about whether or not they make the finals later, but definitely some improvement with those um, players we just mentioned finding form and combining with some of those young players coming through. Alicia, where would you
2: play Jack? Because that's the age-old question. And I think if you ask 50 people in NRL circles, you're going to get 50 different answers because, you know, he does have that utility value. He's played in nearly every position. And, you know, now that he's fit, healthy, back in form, yeah, where where would you play Jack?
0: Look, I'd play him in the centre still. And I think when he went up to Brisbane and he started playing fullback, like that's when the the load on his body just – you know, he just wasn't up to it. And obviously with his knee injuries, it sort of set him back. So I wouldn't put any more pressure on the kid in terms of, you know, popping him into another position. But, I mean, at a pinch, he could play at 5'8", you know, alongside Ben Hunt if if needed. I think he'd suit that role as well. But, um, you know, you've also got Moses Zemba there who could do the same thing. So... Yeah, they're obviously not They're not short in centres. They've got Zach Lomax there on the right, which, if anything, I think Jack Bird should be playing on the right edge. But, um, yeah, if not, I think the left, left edge will suit him. I think he should stay in the centres.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a very young group with a lot of uh, potential stars on the rise, and uh, you know, and and then filling out the roster. I, I think there were a couple of other smart little signings as well. We had Francis uh, sign from the North Queensland Cowboys, who obviously broke into the the Queensland setup this year, which is important. And then Jaden Sewer, who who I think you know, you talk about players that flash and, and, you know, again, a lot of these edge back row or forwards don't get a lot of the publicity, some of the flashy outside backs, but Jaden, you know, he's got something about him. So again, if he can take that next step, that could be another um, really smart signing there for the dragons.
0: Yeah. I think they haven't really recovered ever since um, Tyson Frizzell moved on. They never replaced him last year. Obviously, as mentioned, they get Jack DeBellum back, but he's not really an edge player. So Getting another guy in Jade and Silver is, is massive for them because I think they're playing Josh Kerr on the edge, who did pretty well, mind you. Like, he hadn't played much in his career. and But I think being able to shift him back to prop, um, you know, having Aaron Woods on board as well, we haven't even mentioned him. Like, he's an experienced guy who um, is probably at, towards the end of his career, but I'm sure he, he'd want to prove, you know, a few that he's still got a lot in him. So... Yeah, they've, they've recruited a couple of big boppers in terms of um, you know and experience, and add George Burgess. Like they've got the forward pack there, but I think they just need that to nail down that 5'8 spot and uh, the fullback role.
1: Yeah, and we we're talking um, about Zach Lomax, but we spoke very quickly about him. I just want to. I, I just want to say, um, I think he's found his spot. It, he's one of the best centres in the game, um, but he only managed twelve you know, 12 games out of the 24 or 25 this season. So, you know, we're talking about a few things, um, you know, players finding form, uh, the youngins coming through. Um, if Zach can stay there for the, for the whole season, you know, injury-free, then there's a lot of things that need to fall into place. But if they all do and at the same time, the Dragons can really uh, become a, a very imposing threat next year.
2: Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Well, let's move through now to our predictions. And I agree with you, Tasha. I think, you know, you speak about, you know, the the great start last year. And that was a bit of an ambush because a lot of people are underestimating them this is a team that is going to be uh, underestimated. You know, No no one is going to expect much from the Dragons heading into next year, given that a lot of other teams are going to take that big, big step forward. So for me, I think they're definitely going to be a team to watch. And, and you know, one thing about the Dragons is they can play really great football in big patches throughout the season. It's just being able to play that consistent football throughout the entire season. So for me, look, I, I have them um, just missing out on the eight. Again, I have a bit of a rule, and that is without an established spine, I can't move you into that top eight, um, and for me, their, their seventeen looks very, uh, very unsettled at the moment. In fact, I, I don't think you'd find one or two people that could put the same seventeen together for the Dragons at the moment. So again, you know, a lot of the advice I've been giving for some of these teams coming through is, you know, it, it's not just a matter of, of stabilising that seventeen, but doing it quickly doing it quickly in the preseason to give as many reps to the spine as possible. You don't want to be swapping and changing heading into next season. So if that means you've got to take a a big chance on a few rookies, I think you've got to do that when it comes to the dragons. Um, But Tasha, yeah, what's your thoughts? Again, the dragons are a little bit complex, a little bit tricky to predict, but yeah, what's your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, well, Dan, like I just mentioned, a lot of things have to fall in place at the same time. And I don't think they're going to come out – Firing like winning four out of their five games next year as they did um, this year because they they you know in the first five rounds they they play you know teams like the Panthers you know the um, Parramatta and the Rabbitohs and that's just in the first five so oh hey look if they can win four out of their first five then you know the sky's the limit I just don't see that happening. Um, their rank outsiders they're like it I think they're paying fifty one dollars. Um, But I cannot see them making the top eight. I'm seeing maybe 11th.
2: Yeah, and and Alicia, um, talk to us about this team because this team has the best young talent in the game. I don't don't think it's close, but, you know, this is is the NRL and, um, you know, it takes some time to develop those players. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of question marks on this team. Yeah,
0: there is. I think the way that they finish... The season this year, I feel like you've got to fix that over the off season. Like that's to me, that's a cultural thing. I know that a few of those guys have left now, and it was just such a tough campaign up there in Queensland. But you know, for majority of players, they're still the same players that that come that move back, and um, I guess have all off season to, to ponder. So yes, they have a very tough start to the year, and I think if they don't. You know, if they're not in that eight by halfway point, I can't see them returning serve because we just know Dragons teams in the past haven't been that great at at coming home strong. Um, I don't know exactly who I've picked for the top eight next year. I, I haven't written that down yet. But, no, the Dragons wouldn't be in it for me. I think, though, that they'd be pretty close, like that ninth or tenth spot, um, you know, if they do fly. I want to see Tyrell Sloan get promoted uh, between now and round one and, and start at fullback. I thought he showed plenty. Um, and I don't think that the Dragons have got that out-and-out fullback um, on their roster. So, yeah, hopefully that happens, and, and I guess you never know.
2: All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Left! Yeah, and this week on the match, well, we've been having a lot of fun with this series, and that is matching up a couple of players within a club. And this week, we've got the Manly Wringer Seagulls, and the two players we have selected is Jason Saab coming up against Reuben Garrick. Uh, Tasha, uh, I, I guess, you know, you're always honest to our listeners, but let's start with, did you predict the season that, that has just happened for Manly, and did you predict the performances of Jason Saab and Ruben Garrick? Because, yeah, they, they both had outstanding seasons.
1: Oh, God, no. No one would have predicted that, like especially the way they started. Um, you know, it's an amazing season that the Sea Eagles had. Um, Jason Saab in particular, like on debut um, in NRL, in the tough competition that it is, he, you know, he managed 26 tries, which was the third third highest, which is an absolute amazing season. Um Having said that, you said I'm honest and um, I'm going to ruin a really good story, but he's he was also ranked number one in the NRL for the most errors. And I think that just comes about because you are, you know, on debut, you are a rookie. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to to him, you know, eliminating those errors and just going up and up with this game.
2: Yeah. Alicia, if you didn't know anything about Jason, uh, you just looked at him as an athlete. So we got six six. We're 101 kilos. We're 21 years of age. I mean, you know, if you just looked at him as an athlete, I mean, he's the best player in the competition. But, you know, as, as Tasha sort of mentioned, you know, it takes a little bit of time to learn this game of ours and uh, certainly be able to perform. But, yeah, athletically, he's definitely got he's definitely got, um, he's definitely got all, all of the attributes to be successful.
0: Well, you look at him and you just go, he's a basketballer. He's not a footballer. Because um, he's got that height. You just throw him onto the basketball court. But, um no, like, I mean, Jason Saab, we, we know a little bit about his story coming across from the Dragons and, and it was a bit unhappy there. And, um, you know, I picked him in my super coach team to start the year and I just thought, oh, this is a bit of a dud buy because Manley obviously went zero and four and his work rate was not there at all. Um, you know, I don't think he barely touched the ball as soon as Tom Taroyevich come back. Um, you know, we all know that Tommy made that side, you know, a hell of a team and... Jason Saab's stats started to go up and his tries, obviously, on the end of a lot of passes from Tom. So I did notice that when Tom didn't play some games throughout the year that that Jason Saab wasn't as effective, um, which I think is something he's got to develop. Um, But, yeah, other than that, like, he, you know, what a gift on the wing and and he's a guy that, you know, with a lot more games under his belt. And let's see how he goes next year because essentially it is going to be his second year. Um, second or third year in the game, where he's you know trying to develop, um, and we all know that, that that sort of coming off such a big year like he has, you know how much of that is going to be a bit of a hangover for him. So yeah, I'm keen to see how he how he shows up.
2: Yeah, touch, and I think you know I guess the reason why it's so challenging for those players in that situation is because you know it's difficult. You know, you you obviously get the opportunity to grow and develop. You're watching tape, you're improving. Um, you're putting, you know, everything into the preseason, but your opposition are doing the same thing. The the, the opposition coaches, you know, the opposition players. So, to to, to Alicia's point, um, you know, next season's going to be a big one for Jason because you know maybe a few things that he potentially got away with this year. Um, you know, the, the, you know defenses that they're gonna they're gonna be you know watching him very closely and defending him in a particular way. Um, yeah, big year coming up for Jason.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and you're right. Um, just throw the last few weeks of uh, um, the Mojo shows. We've talked about these players on debut that have, wow, you know, done great things out there on the field. And we've also mentioned that um, towards the end of the season they started not getting away with um, some of those things. There'll certainly be you know tapes out on them and um, coaches pinpointing them and players closing down and shutting down uh, their play, they they won't be able to go under the radar.
2: Yeah. So, and let's jump over now to his competitor tonight, Ruben Garrick and Alicia, I'm going to throw it straight at you because you talk about, you know, the, the unbelievable, um, athletic profile of Jason Saab and, you know, Ruben, he, he's still got uh, you know, a little bit about him, but, um, you know, I I guess this was the big surprise packet for me. And obviously we'll get to his goal kicking and how he's, you know, certainly contributing to the team in different ways, but beyond the goal kicking, this guy's a, this guy's a serious talent.
0: Yeah. And ironically from memory, he was supposed to be in like some sort of trade-off deal with Jason. Saab. you know, a couple of months earlier for for Saab to go to Manly, Dragons wanted Garrick in return. So it's funny how it works. Obviously Manly didn't want that. And I think, Ruben might have even been linked to the, the rival clubs, you know, halfway through the year before he extended for another two seasons at the Seagulls. So, yeah, his game went to another level this year. Um, we know he's he's been around for a couple of years now. Um, he was a promising junior coming through the system, um, but just sort of fell away a little bit. And then now he's he's found himself again. So, Funny story, actually, I went over to Fiji for the Prime Minister's 11 and um, had a quick chat to Michael Hagan. He's like, I'll come sit down and have Brecky with us. And it was me, Ruben Garrick and Michael Hagan. It was the most random, you know, mix of people to be having breakfast with. But Ruben, I just thought, wow, what a down-to-earth guy, you know, like he he wanted to know about me more than, you know, I wanted to know about him and he was asking me about my role and stuff. So, yeah, really, really humble guy who just, Another level. I think it was his work rate for me. He just really wanted to get involved with the ball and, um, you know, scored some amazing tries on that left edge.
1: Yeah, Leish, you said that he's a sweet guy, Ruben Garrick, and he wanted to know more about you than you did of him and you being an NRL reporter. Um, you obviously follow his his form on the field, but how much did you want to know about him, Leish, at that breakfast, uh, scrambled, fried, poached? How do you have his eggs? <laughs> I remember, but um, yeah, I mean, he's not a
0: bad-looking bloke either. So I thought, oh, geez, like you know, what a breakfast this is. <laughs> Talking nights with Michael Hagan, which I was, and uh, and Ruben Garrick, you know, we're just having a chat, obviously, because he was at Manly, and it was his first real Australian jersey, you know, PM's thirteen, so he was absolutely stoked. Um, can't remember it too well, but I do definitely remember it was those two at the table.
2: Yeah, and you often get asked, you know, like if you could have, you know, uh, breakfast, brunch, lunch, or dinner with a couple of celebrities, who would it be? And no, I agree, Alicia, Michael Hagan, Ruben Garrick would definitely, definitely <laughs> be, be, definitely be up there. But no, look, Ruben, I, I think you know, Tash, the, the thing about him is, um, you know, you know, reflecting on his last season, you could clearly see him improve week in, week out. And and that's not based on his, his athleticism. He's not Jason Saab in terms of that aspect. But, you know, it, it, this is clearly hard work. This is a guy who who loves the game uh, and, and takes pride in, in obviously, all, all of the work that he does off, off the field. And, you know, that that's what I could see from Ruben is he was putting in the hard work and, you know, game by game, week by week, he was improving to the point where, you know, you're coming into some of these bigger games. And he was a big factor for the, for Manly.
1: Yeah, look, he sure was. He he finished up um, first ranked number one as far as total uh, points scored and there was Ruben Garrick number one um, and then there was Daylight, uh, Adam Reynolds number two. Reuben uh, was the only one that managed to rack up more than 300 points. It was 334 actually and then the next one that I've just mentioned was Adam at 256 but you talk about the work that Reuben's done off, off the field and it's The little one percenters that he does on the field as well. Not only is he, you know, a prolific try scorer because he managed to rack up twenty three tries, but he's always pushing up. He's always there. So he's it's those little one percenters. um, I think he was like fourth overall as far as run meters, which shows those extra efforts that he goes. You know that he gives out there on the field.
2: Yeah, and Alicia, um, you know, you, you talk about some of the skills that he also has. We we do have to mention the goal kicking because, you know, you, you sort of you, you don't pay too much attention to it in the regular season. You know, if a guy misses one or two kicks, but if you start to move through in some of these high pressure games, you know, you're you're losing entire seasons, grand finals, semi finals over over a couple of points. You know, talk to us a little bit about Ruben because. The value of a club having a having a sharpshooter, it's uh, yeah, well, it's 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 so important these days.
0: Yeah, and it's something that Manley have struggled with, you know, in recent years. I think Daly even would step up and try and kick some goals. Um, I know when Ruben's out, usually they they do go to him, but um, yeah, it's it's so crucial, you know, and, and I think it's something that, that Garrick has improved on in the last couple of years since he's come integrated It's an it's an extra piece to his bow. I think he might have even been getting picked over like George Tafua because of his goal-kicking skills. So, um, yeah, he's, as mentioned, he's just gone to another level. And another thing that we'll point out, um, you, you recall in that last game, I think they played the Cowboys up in North Queensland when they scored that amazing 110-metre try. And he, he could have just – the kick, the winning goal, he could have just put that dead and it was game over anyway. You know, they were up by 40 and instead – you know, he collects it one metre out from the dead ball line and, and runs the length of the field and sets up this trial. Like, I remember asking Daily Trey Evans about it in a Zoom, you know, a couple of days later and, and just said, like, does that just show what sort of competitiveness he got? And he just said, yeah, like, it's just something that we've trained. You know, for me, I'd just run that over the dead ball line or up by 40 <laughs> and the game's, you know, we want it over. But not not his mentality, you know. And I just I thought that was a real insight into, I guess that's that's a Desi trained side, right? Like they just play every single play.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, in the match, we've got to pick a we've got to pick a winner here. And uh, you know what I would say about Manly is, you know, we're we're looking at something pretty special next year. I I think I think this this team's headed place, and I think these individual players uh, can continue to improve next year. But for me. You know, look, going into the season, I probably was, was leaning towards Jason, obviously, because, you know, he's just that, that athletic freak. And, you know, Ruben, you know, he was, uh, you know, known for his goal kicking, but just the way in which he improved throughout the season, I, I just think he finished the season with an absolute bang, an outstanding player. Um, and again, you know, if I'm sort of projecting forward to next season, I, I, I just expect some big things from Ruben. So, Ruben for me, uh, Tasha, again, difficult one, uh, two amazing players. Who, who, yeah, where are you going here? Going oh, here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Dan, look, it's it's easy to go, you know, um, Jason Saab, because he's on debut and he did so very, very well. You know, you know, knocking up 26 tries on debut is absolutely amazing. But for the efforts that uh, Reuben Garrick puts on, off the field and on the field, you know, he's a prolific try scorer. He's an accurate goal kicker. We've talked about all these stats. And one stat we didn't mention was that he was actually, you know, on number one he was he was the top for line breaks with 38 so what that man doesn't offer I don't know I I can't find so yeah it's definitely I'm not sitting on the fence it's Ruben Garrett
2: yeah and then Lisa
1: yeah I'm the same you can't
2: go
0: past it as we've mentioned for the last five minutes um I think work rate you know work rate over talent at this point I was a bit disappointed when Tom Truboy, which didn't play, and, and Jason Saab's output wasn't as great. So, yeah, I'm going with Ruben Garrick.
2: All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. Hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, so okay,
1: show, oh my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this
2: week on Rapid Fire, we continue to look at the international game as we uh, slowly prep uh, for next season's uh, World Cup. And this week, the question I've got for you guys is, uh, who is a Tongan player to watch? Because again, this is a football team that is going to be looking to do some serious damage in that tournament. Uh, Tasha, I'm going to throw this one to you.
1: Yeah, look, I've got to say Jason Tamalolo. I don't think um, we saw the best of him this season. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how Todd Payton uses him next season. But um, as far as the Tongan players to watch, I think uh, Jason's going to be one of their best.
2: Yeah, no, that's a a good shout. Look, for me, uh, if he doesn't get picked uh, sort of in and around the Australian squad, I'm going to go with Tevita Pangai Jr. I I think... You know, again, very interested to see his season coming up. Obviously, you know, coming down, you know, playing in the Penrith system, I think that was really good for him, and now he moves into a Bulldog system and uh, a lot of unknowns. But um, yeah, look, Tavita, I think you know, on his day, has the potential to be the world's best forward, um, and I think he's going to have to be, especially at that international level. And who knows? He may have to play a little bit of halfback because Tonga have always sort of struggled to to get their halves together. But um, yeah, Tavita for me, at uh, least. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, they're just missing one sort of thing, aren't they? If they can get a decent half back, like at Samoa, who just basically picked up Jerome Luai, um, you know, they just need a really decent half and that team would be almost unstoppable. But um, for me, I've gone with Katoni Staggs, who could potentially, you know, play in the halves come World Cup time. We see a lot of players, uh, when they're representing their country, switch positions. Um, Katoni had one game for Tonga and, and played pretty well, I think, you know, he's in for a big year at Brisbane, um, coming off ACL, MCL. Um, he had a bit of a taste um in twenty twenty one and you know, he, he was the difference in that Bronco side when they won that a couple of games. He was just awesome. So he can get back to his best and you know, he, he adds that spark in Tonga's Tonga's back line. Um that's if Australia don't pick him up either. Like if you know, if if he has a really good um season, there's He could potentially get picked up by the Kangaroos. They've got Tom Jarojevic and uh, and Latrell Mitchell there, but you know they take a twenty-four player squad away, so he could easily end up in green and gold too.
2: All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel as we talk all things rugby league, and to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, please download the show, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll see you then.